Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Cynthia Cherish Malloran, Reverend DJ Cherish the Love, and you are listening to Primary Food on Heritage Radio Network. Before I forget, let me tell you how to reach out to me and get my attention on social media, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at DJ Cherish the Love. That is spelled L-U-V and hashtag using primary food. Heritage underscore radio and hashtag RevLove. So welcome to the third season of primary food. Wow. I'm kind of impressed with myself. I didn't think I'd be able to make it this far, but I did. And what exactly is primary food? So I learned this really great concept in nutrition school at IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, that the food you eat, you know, the stuff we put in our mouths and chew and enjoy, we consider that secondary food. Primary food is everything else in life that nourishes us before we sit down and eat. And that's stuff like enjoying music, reading a book, hanging out with friends, cooking food, great jobs, creative expression, playing games, exercise. And I'm so glad that I learned this because it was the high-quality primary food that kept my life that I kept in my life while going through chemotherapy last year that kept me happy and healing my cancer. So today we're going to talk about the act of cooking. And we're here with a great organization hosting an event that everyone needs to know about. But before I tell you about this and before my guests speak, you can call in live at 718-497-2128. Again, that's 718-497-2128 with questions, comments, and anything. So, but before I begin, Primary Food is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. So please help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now or do it at the end of this episode. Okay, so today we've got with us Chef Angie Marr. Hi. And Beth Kling. Hi. Uh, Now, we're going to talk about an event called A Second Helping of Life. Beth, tell us about this. Well, A Second Helping of Life is... um, a great event that happened that's going to be happening on September 19th, Monday, September 19th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Chelsea Piers. And it's a tasting event featuring 24 of the top women chefs in New York City. And it supports an organization called SHARE, which provides dedicated experience support for women facing breast and ovarian cancers. And this event has been going on for how many years now? This is the 13th year, actually. The okay. 13th year of the New York City women chefs community really coming out and supporting a fantastic cause. 
and the organization SHARE. Give us a little background on SHARE, because this is an organization I actually had not heard about, and I'd like to think I know everything. Well, I didn't I, know anything about this. <laughs> well, actually, SHARE is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, 40 years of providing support for women facing breast and ovarian cancers, and their families and friends and caregivers as well. Mm-hmm. It's It runs on a peer model, which basically means that it is survivors who and people who have faced the diseases who are helping patients and others who are somehow faced with these diseases, whether it's caregivers or people who are, you know, currently living with a diagnosis or going through treatment or even, you know, dealing with some of the issues that happen after you finish treatment and you're still wondering, you know, what the future holds for you. So all of the services are free of charge and uh, there's fantastic support groups um, that happen in person uh, over the telephone, mm. online. Uh, there's educational programs that happen in person and online as well, and um, a great library of resources that people can access. Uh, there are also outreach campaigns to you know, make sure that information about these diseases can reach people in medically underserved communities as mm. well. So it's, it's, you know, what's really astounding about it is that you know, it started in 1976, and it was started by a, a doctor who thought that um, that his patients could actually benefit. His he was a, a breast cancer surgeon mm-hmm. who thought that his patients could benefit from supporting one another because in 1976 no one was talking about cancer, no one would use the word breast publicly, and uh, so we started basically as a group of 12 people and a doctor, and we are now reaching 55,000 people a year. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's really meaningful to me because as a breast cancer survivor and going through it in the past year, year and a half, I realized the importance of having community. And to think that only a few decades ago there was no community, that it was so taboo, that it was so scary. I mean, it's just as scary that today it's so normal almost, that diagnoses are popping up left and right. And I'm not just talking breast cancer. That's just kind of the way it is. But it's, it's great to have something like this event and these organizations in place for people like me. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we hear, you know, a day doesn't go by that we don't hear someone say what a difference connecting with Cher made to them as they were facing, you know, either breast or ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. That, you know, having the community, having the support and having the information that you could get only from another patient has been, it's just invaluable. I mean, you can get great information from your doctors, you can get you know, I don't know why to say that it's necessarily great information from Dr. Google, but sometimes, you know, you can be overwhelmed with it. But Dr. to actually, Google. yeah, but to actually have, yeah. you know, another person who's been through the disease yeah. there to be able to tell you sort of what to expect and how they managed it. No doubt. Makes a huge difference. No doubt about it. And I find that after going, going through the experience, I've become a teacher, a teacher I didn't want to ever become. And be a member of a club I never wanted to join, but the value of what I have to teach and what I've helped other women with and men, um, doesn't make it worth it, but it balances it. Yeah. And I I think that's really important in my healing. And I want to put that out there that if you're going through something like this, that the benefit of it is that you can help the next person. And um, that's what this is all about. So I'd like to invite people to this event, a second helping of life. Let's talk about tickets, where the funding goes, who's going to be there, because um, it's pretty exciting. I'm looking at the list of the uh, celebrity sous chefs and so on and so forth. So let's let's tell the listeners all about this event. 
Okay, so the event actually has a couple dozen, as I said earlier, of the top female chefs in New York City. And our executive chef for the event is with with us here today. It's Angie Marr of the Beatrice Inn, who actually just opened the restaurant under her own ownership um, a week ago. So, you know, the fact that she is doing this, that (laughs) she's doing this event at this incredibly busy time just it's just a testament to mm. how generous this this community is and how supportive they've been to you know they they really make our work possible so i can't we cannot thank them enough for all that they do every year we have rebecca charles and her lobster mm. roll and she you know it's the mo- it is absolutely the most popular it just sounds like it she's is, walking in with a lobster true. roll and, and her lobster golden roll. lobster roll and her millions <laughs> and her leash. thousands of lobster rolls that she's donated to share over the Incredible. years you know she's Incredible. just yeah and so we've got this great a list of chefs it includes alex Gornichelli. yeah you need Butter. to name drop right now it, <laughs> you know on. we've got um Amanda Cohen of Dirt Candy, who mm-hmm. always has like a really interesting, you know, one year that it was a broccoli hot dog. I, I'm not, I don't. A broccoli hot a dog. A broccoli hot dog. Because everything is, is How vegetarian. Was it? it was amazing. Okay. It was it's, fantastic. It's We've gotta got, be, it's got to be the counterpoint to all my meat, right? That I always bring every year. Well, you know, we want to say that we represent everyone. And that's, yeah. what, that's balance yeah. right there. That's fine. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Who else is going to be there? We've got um, Anita Lowe. Anita, Anita Lowe, Lowe from Anissa. Anissa. She's awesome. Just fantastic. Yeah. And she's so there every year. And she's actually, she was actually our first executive chef and has been, was really instrumental in developing the whole event 13 oh, years wow. ago. Wow. And she's just a fantastic supporter of Cheryl's also. And um, we've got, uh, I'm sorry, I'm somehow blanking here. I don't know how I could because <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed by how many well, Colleen great Grapes, you know, Colleen, Colleen grapes. grapes is always so fantastic. I mean, she just makes some of the best desserts ever. Um, you know, Leah Cohen of Pig and Cow. I, I just love her food. Patty Jackson of yeah. Delaware and Hudson right oh, here in Brooklyn. So she sad. is so great. She's such a great chair supporter also. And also, you know, Roxanne. From Kingsley. Yes, Roxanne Spruids. Yeah, from Kingsley. I think she's one of the most, uh, you know, I think she's incredibly talented, and I always have a great time with her at all the events, so I'm really excited. So this is a tasting. Barbara Sibley. Barbara Sibley in La Palapa. And this year we have Melba Wilson from Melba's Restaurant for the first time, so that should be really cool and interesting. Amy's Bread. I actually didn't realize Amy was a real person. Yes, Amy Sherber. Amy Sherber is a real person who's come to the event since the beginning also. not like a little Debbie that no. <laughs> doesn't exist. No. <laughs> this is fantastic. And then the yeah. sous chef. So this is really funny for me to read through this list of like, wow, all these people who are being sous chefs, people I recognize from TV, news, personalities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about this. It's such a great combination. So, so, so when the event was conceived 13 years ago, they really wanted to, it was, you know, we wanted to make it a power women kind of event. Love it. You know, so you, you want to pair, you mean the, the women who we have as sous chefs, most of them. I mean, they're not sous chefs, really, but we call them sous chefs, and we sort of say celebrity sous chefs in quotes because they're not really sous chefs. But they're, you know, women who are celebrities um, in the area. We have, um, you know, as you said, TV news people, people who are actors on stage and screen, Broadway actors. We've got authors. We have, you know, TV personalities. We've got... Um, uh, Ruth Raquel, amazing. Ruth, right, Ruth Reichel, who's... who's yeah. um, uh, you know the New York Times um, 
Incredible. best-selling author and um, Megan Fairchild. Megan Fairchild, who's Fairchild. yes, <laughs> who's who's a New York City ballet uh, principal as well as a Broadway actress. And I just want to say this name because I love saying it: Shade Baderinwa. Oh, Shade <laughs> Baderinwa is so wonderful to have Shade Brenda Blackman. And Brenda I mean, Blackman. This yes. is this is a wonderful. Mix. And our our host this year is Tamson Fidel. Fantastic. So we are really excited about that. So, so. for people who who aren't familiar with the New York. Um, I guess the New York media scene. The New York media scene, right. Maybe yeah. let's give them a little background on, on some of these sous chefs. So they're uh, journalists. Yes, they are journalists. Many of them are anchors. We have Cindy Shu also from CBS, who might not have made it to this particular version of the list, but she is. She is going to be there. That's it. This is so much fun. Yeah. So they're sous chefing. Yes. <laughs> so they're, 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 I mean... You know, Angie, you've had. Sushi. Yeah, you know, I, I've done. Yeah. <laughs> What's I mean, that? Like? This is, you know, <laughs> this is such a great event. I mean, you know, just as a chef, um, you know, I, I love doing this event. I look forward to it every year. This is actually my third year uh, doing share, and uh, also it's my first year being the culinary chair. So, you know, it's it's really exciting for me. I love having the celebrity sous chefs. Uh, you know, we always have a lot of fun. I, I always get a different person every year. Um, but, you know, it's just great. I think it brings a lot of fantastic energy uh, and, and awareness to this event. Um, and to get that many amazing mm. women from, you know, the the journalist world and from the food world all in one room, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Beth, you said a phrase that I love. You said power women. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk That's about right. that for a minute. Women in power, powerful women. What's your take on that and the importance of expressing that? Well, I mean, the, the, I think the greatest thing about it is when you bring women together who are mm. powerful to, to actually, you know, work towards supporting a really important cause that affects women. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you know, when you go to the event, there's almost like a tangible energy in the air. There's I like, can't wait. It's, it's, it's so just fun. amazing. And I'm getting chills. Because, goosebumps. <laughs> because not only is there the best food in the city. There's also, and they, you know, these great talented chefs who are making it, there's also like this dedication to a cause. People really feel good, you know, being there supporting it. I mean, everyone from the chefs to the people who are attending, you know, there's yeah. just, it's like an extra um, benefit to it. I don't know. Well, let's talk about the cause. So it's breast cancer and ovarian cancers. Why specifically breast and ovarian? Well, is there a reason? Or? Actually, it supports SHARE, and SHARE's work is to support oh. women facing those diseases. It, as I said, it started as a breast cancer organization and, and became as, you know, as well an ovarian cancer support organization some 15 or 20 years after its founding, because there were actually a number of women who needed the, needed support for ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and share responded by actually building, you know, mm. programs and services to, to meet the needs for that. Ovarian cancer affects fewer women than breast cancer, mm-hmm. but the, the mortality rates are, are very high and I see. the need for support in that in for ovarian cancer has been great and especially back in the early nineties when we when Cher began to offer programming. Um was you know, it was really you know, there really were not other support groups out there. So September being ovarian cancer awareness month. Yes. And October being breast cancer awareness month, the timing is right. <laughs> Yes. So let's talk about our chef for the event, <laughs> our, our executive. Our, what is your position exactly? Our executive chef, yes. Executive chef yes. for the event. Yes. Chef Angie Marr. Why is it important for you to be a part of this? 
You know, this is this is a, a really important charity for me to be a part of. I, you know, um, my mother was affected by breast cancer. My aunt was affected by cancer. So, you know, if if this is a way that I can help to give back mm-hmm. um, to that community, I, you know, there's a lot of charities that I donate to throughout the year. Um, you know, we're involved in City Harvest and, and and a lot of other stuff. But this one specifically is very close to my heart. It always has been. Um, you know, Rebecca Charles uh, and Deborah DeClemente from Pearl Oyster Bar, they are, they're dear, dear friends of mine. And uh, when they asked me to be a part of this event, it was, you know, three years ago. And I was so honored. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was so honored to, to even be asked mm-hmm. to to go cook among all of these amazing, amazing chefs that, that go there every year and give to such a great, great cause. Um, you know, and, and especially because it really hits home for me, mm-hmm. um, because I've, you know, I've, I haven't lived through it myself, but my loved ones have. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if there's anything that we can do to, to better other people's experiences, I'm all about that. Yeah. So it feels really good to be a part of it. It does. How do people get tickets for this event? You can go to sharebenefit.org and uh, yeah, tickets are available there. And for information about SHARE, you can go to sharecancersupport.org. And we also have a helpline, 844-ASK-SHARE. And that's for anyone who has questions about breast or ovarian cancer who might be facing it. A helpline, yes. Wow. Yeah, which is staffed by survivors of uh, breast or ovarian cancer. I should I should definitely talk to you about volunteering yes. my time for this because I, you should. I would love to help the yeah. next woman for yeah. sure. Well, Chef Angie Mar, let's talk about your background and why mm. you love being in this world of food <laughs> and where uh, you're at now. Yeah. Accomplish, um, accomplishing new things. Accomplishing new things, definitely. Um, well, I'm actually a career changer. Uh, so I've only been cooking for a little over six years. This is amazing. Okay, hold on. This is one of these primary food types of things yeah. where I feel like when you have that need in you to do something else that feeds your soul, yeah. you have to do it, right? You have to do it. So what did you, you used to do? To do? Uh, I was actually in commercial real estate. Very in, different. Very different. <laughs> very different. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my, you know, my family comes from the world of food. My aunt was Ruby Chow. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up around that world. Uh, I fought it for a really long time. And Interesting. Yeah. What was I, your tipping point in the change from... You know, I just, state? I wasn't happy. I wasn't mm-hmm. happy. You know, I, uh, I wasn't happy with, in what I was doing. I wasn't really excited about, you know, going to work every day. So I, I took some time off. I traveled through East Africa and Spain and, you know, I was in Spain and I, I was wow. eating tapas by myself at like... 10 30 at night and I, I had this realization. I was like, you know, I, I just really need to cook. So I, uh, I came back to the States. I moved to New York and everything's just kind of fallen into place. And, uh, that is so exciting. The yeah. Stories like this need to be told. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. feel like women don't take that often. Don't take that great step to change yeah. everything. It's scary. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's scary. And I think that, you know, uh, as sometimes, you know, maybe we're like programmed to just kind of like, you know, follow, follow the path that's been laid out. And it's like, you know, let's, let's make our own path. Well, let's 
talk about why it was scary because I know there are people listening who can relate to the scary yeah. part. And then let's talk about the reward. Yeah. And what yeah, happened. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I left a job with, uh, you know, health insurance, uh, 401k and <laughs> an expense account. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I moved to New York and I just really, you know, I started cooking and I, I've had the great fortune to work for some of the most amazing chefs. Uh, April Bloomfield um, was Cher's executive chef last year uh, and the year before. And she, you know, I worked for her. She was my mentor. She is a fantastic, fantastic human being. Um, and, you know, she really, really helped guide me. Um, and, and she taught me how to run a Michelin restaurant. So I, she's fantastic. That, that's like an amazing quote. She taught me how to run a Michelin yeah, restaurant. Yeah, like, no, I, I say it all the time. You know, it's it's really interesting. I, you know, what does it even mean? Like someone like me is like, my mind just got blown and replaced. <laughs> you can be taught to run a Michelin restaurant like that. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know. I worked for Andrew Tarlow in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, I worked at Diner and Marlowe and Sons and I opened up Reynard and that's where I learned how to cook. That's really where I learned how to cook. And then I went to go work for April Bloomfield and she taught me how to run a Michelin starred restaurant and run a business. I know this is a huge question we're about to ask, but mm. what does it mean when you say how to cook? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I, I always thought I knew how to cook, you know, and, and cooking at home is really different. And then I got into a kitchen and I realized I didn't know how to cook. What, you know, what did you not know? Cooking, cooking in a, in, in a restaurant is completely different than cooking at home. And, wow. and, uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. No, I don't realize that. Yeah, That's lot, why I'm like so blown yeah, away yeah. by this statement. Like, yeah, wow. a lot of people don't realize that. You know, I was a home cook for years. I entertained all the time for years. But, you know, and I, I think this needs to be said, and I don't think enough people say that this, but, you know, being in a kitchen is like being in the military. It is. It's wow. like being in a military. It is, you know, that's what it is. Um, and, and I don't think I realized that before I got into cooking. And, uh, and I love it. I love and it. And you though. love it. So yeah. I was going to ask you if you love it. Oh, I love it. So what yeah. about that structure are you attracted to? The structure. The structure. The structure. The structure, the discipline, the commitment to perfection. Wow. It's, uh, you know, it's everything. I mean, just as you're saying that and as you lit up saying that, yeah. like I could feel like a vibration <laughs> of you're like, you're like drooling for it almost. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think as chefs, we're all, we're all kind of masochists, you know, <laughs> she said it, not me. That's true. That was though. my, that was my impression, but I never wanted to say that, but she said it. It's true. It is. So your style and background of cooking. Tell us about that. Uh, well, I, my mother grew up in Oxford, um, which is probably why. I was so drawn to April's food, you know, mm. um, my father is Chinese American. Um, but it was like T-bone steaks on the table and, uh, not jasmine Chinese, rice. I don't think, right? Yeah. No <laughs> T-bone steaks on the table and jasmine rice. So not potatoes. Uh, so that's why every year we always do the dry burgers at a second helping of life. Um, you know, I'm very uh. drawn to meat. Uh, you know, I'm not so big on the vegetables. We'll, we'll let Amanda Cohen do that. <laughs> I was talking about the balance again. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll save that for her. Um, but, but you know, we, that's, that's how I grew up. I grew up eating meat and, and that's really what, what the Beatrice in is about is it's, you know, very much all about meat. To my carnivores out there, 
visit the Beatrice Inn. <laughs> Sorry, vegan friends. What is your favorite thing to prepare? Uh, you know, there is... <laughs> The 45-day the dry age burger is fantastic. Uh, it's actually what I do every year at A Second Helping of Life. We do, uh, we're very well known for a burger. Um, and it's just fantastic. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of like the best French onion soup you ever had, but on a burger. Um, but my favorite thing to cook at the restaurant is a, uh, it's a milk-braised pork shoulder. And milk braised yeah pork I, shoulder wow. yeah i uh i think i pulled it out of like one of my dad's really old italian cookbooks when i was like wow. 15 and it was like my first contribution to sunday supper and uh it the first version was terrible <laughs> uh but i kept i would make it every sunday and uh it definitely was not as refined as it is now on my menu <laughs> I love this. But, uh, but yeah, I, I now serve it at the restaurant and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the dishes that's really comforting. It's home for me. Um, and, and, uh, you know, when I eat that, it it's reminds me very much of my family. I'm so touched by that. I love, I love family cooking tradition memories. Yeah. All of that just warms me up. Yeah. Just, just thinking about it is like love. It is. It's like, what does food mean to you? It is, you know, I mean, food, I think is very important. Food is, it's healing. It's mm. the great equalizer. Uh, the great equalizer. It is. I, yeah. Food is for me, food's like kind of the great equalizer. It is, you know, it's just one of the reasons why I love living in New York. It's, uh, you know, you could have be completely broke or have a million dollars. You are still riding the subway, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and food food is kind of like that. It's like the great, it doesn't matter. It should be accessible for everybody Mm. and it should just really be good. It should be soulful. It should make you feel things. Um, and, and, you know, I always say this, you know, I, I think that food really, it brings people together. Mm -hmm. It brings people together. You know, it, it, I've always said this and, you know, it all starts around the dinner table. Everything starts around the dinner table and that's it. I love that so much. What do you think needs to be improved or better in the world of food, in the industry and everything? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I know that it's like a list of things. Oh, there's a list of things. Um, you know, I think that right now is a really exciting time to be in the food industry. Um, you know, right now, there's there's never been as high of a focus as right now on the chefs. Um uh at all. And, and it's, you know, when I told my mom, I was going to be, I was going to quit my job and I was going to go to culinary school. I was going to become a chef. She was like, you're crazy. That is a, that's a, that's a man's job. And that's like a working class person's job. Like you sit in an office and like, you know, and that I think was kind of like the old perception. And right now it's like, I think chefs are kind of like the new rock stars. You know, how did you feel when she said that? That's so something my mom or dad would say, you and know then what? I'd be disheartened and then cry when I was seven <laughs> years old. So here's how I knew I, uh, so I've obviously always been a food person, but when I was seven, I took my first trip to Paris and, uh, I ordered the most offensive thing that I could possibly think of when I was seven, just to like, you know, be really crazy. What is what I had is kidneys. I had veal oh. kidneys when I was seven and wow. they were in cream with cognac and my dad loves that stuff. So I ate it. My mom was like so disgusted. <laughs> and so that's why I ordered it, I think. And, uh, so when she said that, I was like, I should definitely do this. I'm definitely making the right decision. <laughs> Did you like that dish? Actually, I loved it. I okay. cook it now. <laughs> I cook it now. <laughs> I was going to ask that. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, what, what, does that sound like a delicious dish to you, Beth? 
Uh, not really, no. <laughs> What's your palate? <laughs> oh, um, uh, I mean, I, I actually, it's very varied. It just, it just happens to be that that particular, you know, when I hear, I don't know, kidneys. Uh, <laughs> You're not into awful. Yeah, no. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Awful? Awful. Awful. Awful, yeah. Awful. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I just love these stories. I want to talk about your restaurant, which has just... Yeah. Opened. It's crazy. Tell me about it's crazy. this. Um, so and seriously, mad props. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm so excited and, and so honored. And, um, you know, I've been the chef at the Beatrice Inn for three years. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I left uh, working for April Bloomfield to go, to go take over the kitchen there. And, uh, it was, it's been such a labor of love. Um, and, you know, we just, we, I just bought it. So this is my first restaurant. It's, just bought it. I yeah, I, I just, just bought like, it. Just bought it. Yeah, I just bought it. I, you had to. What was it in it, in you that was like, I got to do this? Yeah, you know, I've always treated that place like it's been my own anyway. Mm. And, um, you know, when the offer came around, it, it just really made a lot of sense. Um, wow. So, Love it. yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, we opened last Thursday. I'm so honored uh, and excited by the amount of support that uh, the culinary community has showed for us. It's 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 so humbling. Okay, well, we got to check it out. Where is the Beatrice Inn? Listeners? Yeah, it's uh, it's on West Fourth and West Twelfth in the Village. Okay, so I'm going to give um, Angie a high five, <laughs> and we're going to go to a little break, and I'll see you in a few secs. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Hi, I'm here with Angie Marr, chef at the Beatrice Inn, and Beth Kling uh, from Cher. We're going to talk a little bit more about Cher. So uh, your, your background with Cher, tell us. Actually, I've been with Cher um, for 10 years. I just celebrated my 10th anniversary Congrats. back in May. Yeah. And I'm you know, somewhat of an unusual uh, person in terms of, not, not, not necessarily, but the, most of Cher is um, survivors of breast or ovarian cancer. Um, a lot of the people who work, or everyone who provides services are all survivors. And uh, many of the people who work and are really dedicated to the organization are also survivors. Um, I'm not a survivor of breast or ovarian cancer. Uh, I came to the organization sort of in the routine way that people come to jobs, you know, um, finding out about a job, applying for it. And then, but when I, when I arrived, I really felt instantly or almost instantly like it was a place that I wanted to be and where I could make a contribution and where you know, my work was valued. And so um, while, you know, I really do feel a part of the community of... Uh, you are our ally. 
Yes. That's the term I like to use. That's right. Yeah. You don't need to have guilt for not having gone through this. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) You're an ally. Tell us wonderful stories of growth over the years and why people should support SHARE and should come to this event. Because after how many years now, what have you seen? Um... Well, I've, I, I think I've, I have seen over the years so many women and men just, being, just getting tremendous support for what they're facing in their lives. Um, there are some, you know, the, we have the, the women who provide the services, who are our facilitators, who are our helpline volunteers, are so dedicated mm-hmm. um, to, to making sure that other people don't have to face or can, can have the easiest possible time in facing these diseases. One story that I think of is a story of a woman named Marjorie, who is one of our um, facilitators and helpline volunteers, mm-hmm. who's a survivor of breast cancer, um, who runs a support group for SHARE. You know, she's trained by SHARE and, um, and you know, provides the service to women. And there was one woman who um, basically had said, you know, I, I don't think I want to continue with my treatment. I don't, I just don't want to do it. Uh I'm afraid I'm alone. And Marjorie reached out to her. Um, she said to her, I will come, I will go to your treatments with you. Mm. Went to her treatment with her. Um, and so she, 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 she had her treatment as a result of the support from Marjorie. And then, you know, this had kind of the same thing, you know, she had kind of the same questions or concerns about surgery and Marjorie supported her in that as well. So this woman, you know, basically was treated and is alive today because of, you know, the support that she got. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Really important. Making a huge difference. And that's just one story. And that's just one story. I saw many testimonials. And I was reading them and I was like, I can't get through these because it's just, I started kind of trembling. I was like, this is just so beautiful. I really appreciate that. Now, you mentioned that volunteers get trained. So tell us how someone like me or someone who's gone through this can help the next person through SHARE. Is, it, is there a program we can sign up for? Or? Well, I mean, all you need to do is contact, just call 844-ASK-SHARE and indicate that you're interested in, in being a volunteer and we'll connect you with the people that you need to speak with. I mean, basically everyone who everyone who's providing the services are volunteers who have been through the disease and many of them are people who actually came to share for help, mm-hmm. found the help so important to them that they wanted to give back. So we have a lot of people who, you know, the journey through share starts, it can start in any, in many mm-hmm. places, but can start as you're getting help. And then you decide that you want to actually be one of the people who gives the help. And then you come back and, um, and you get some, you get training and support to do that basically. You just helped me right now coin a term in my head that I think I'm going to use from now on to have a meaningful cancer. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's like if you go through an experience and yeah. then you can teach or help or support the next mm-hmm. person, then your experience has become extremely meaningful and not just a, a grenade thrown in your life. And I think right. that's important. So I want to talk more about you know this event and funny stories and great stories, disaster stories. Just, just what comes to mind when you think about people coming to this great, great experience? Oh, gosh, you know, it's really, really amazing because I, uh, you know, just 
as chefs, I think we're always so busy, you know, it's like the 100 hour work weeks and, you know, we never get to see each other. And is it, that an exaggeration? 100 hour work week? No, it's not. It's not an exaggeration. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's a, that's like a real thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, at least, I don't know. <laughs> Probably you and many. Probably me and many. Yeah. But, but, you know, we never get to see each other. And, and it's really, really lovely to be at this event with all these amazing women. Um, you know, and we're all friends outside of work as well. That and, is really beautiful. I didn't think about that part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a small community. The culinary community is, is actually quite small and everyone knows each other. And this is one of these events where like, you know, like I said earlier, you get all these amazing chefs in one room. So, you know, it's really fun and, and we always feed each other and, mm-hmm. and it's a blast. And, uh, you know, I always bring like, uh, we always do the dried burgers and I always bring the ribeye. Uh, I always bring some like 60 ounce ribeye or something obscene and then I'll cook it and pass it around to all the chefs. <laughs> something obscene. <laughs> yeah, you know, just some, something obscenely, obscenely delicious and huge. And, uh, you know, we cook it, we pass it around to the chefs at the end of the night. It's a lot of fun. And uh, you can always catch, uh, catch Rebecca, Charles, Anita Lowe and I passing around some tomahawk ribeye bone eating it at the end of the night over a beer holding the, yeah holding the bone yeah <laughs> literally we're like eating it and passing it around it'll typically be the three of us so, so with a hundred hour work week what do you do in your downtime whenever that what is downtime? i think there, i don't think there is yeah i don't think there is i you know it's like it's like uh like a few hours of sleep in a shower Oh do you have the shower built into the restaurant? No, <laughs> no. You I, wish. Yeah, no, I had to get the gym membership down the street for that. So You're not kidding, I don't think. I'm not kidding. Oh, she's not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so where would you like uh, to see Cher grow and, and expand? And how how can people help support Cher? Uh, well, you can go to ShareCancerSupport.org and, and donate to the organization. I mean, certainly... You know, we, we grow with um, when we basically are able to develop more programs and reach more people. So, you know, I, how I would like to see Share grow is, is to be able to reach every woman or person facing breast or ovarian cancer mm-hmm. with uh, the help that they need. And, and we have grown. We've grown tremendously. You know, as I said, we started out as 12 people. And we now are reaching 55,000. And, you know, maybe someday we could reach half a million. (laughs) Well, tell me about your programs. Because now, you know, I I looked at this document that I have, and I saw that there are many survivor programs, support groups. Give me some details about that to share with people. We have have 35 support groups around the city and and some available through the telephone and tele, uh, teleconference and video conference. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. We uh, provi- we offer support. We, I'm sorry. We offer educational programs that are led by experts in the fields of ovarian cancer and breast cancer, uh, both in person and through webinar. So they're also accessible. You know, recordings of them are accessible on our website if people mm-hmm. want information later. Uh, we have a helpline that's available seven days a week for breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And all of those, all of the people who serve on that helpline, who work on that helpline, are survivors of the disease um, and, and volunteers. Uh, and we have um, outreach programs, specifically a program called um, Share Ambassadors, which reaches uh, medically underserved communities, mm-hmm. uh, African-American, Latina. Uh, we also have... Um, we have an entire uh, 
subset or group of programs um, called Latina Share, which um, is is for women whose primary language is Spanish. Um, and you know, through that program, uh, we you know we provide support groups, a helpline, educational programs. That's really important. And we also we have a we have um, presence in a couple of breast cancer breast clinics. Um, so, uh, a program we called Survivor Patient Navigator Program, which mm. basically is a, a survivor who's bilingual, who's present um, in a clinic when someone gets a, a diagnosis of breast cancer or a suspicious finding on a mammogram. Um, this person is there to sort of to, to support them right in that moment when they in hear that, that news, right in that moment, right. And they wow. can help them talk to the doctor. They can help them figure out what questions they need to ask. They can help them figure out how to talk to their family. And then they always do follow-up with the people that they meet there. And that um, is called the Survivor Patient, Survivor Patient Navigator. Navigator. That's incredible. We also have a program called uh, Pink and Teal, which is basically a, a corporate seminar program where we visit corporations and provide seminars on breast and ovarian cancer. And that's done by volunteer survivors of breast and ovarian cancer talking about you know risks, symptoms, uh, risk factors, things that people need to know, um, and their own experiences with the diseases. So, so talk to me for a sec about Latina Share. How did that come about? This that's really important, and I think that that is so that very developed special. in the mm-hmm. in the nineteen nineties as well when it became clear that there were a number of women who needed support and needed to be able to access services, but were not able to participate in English. So there were there were some very powerful volunteers who were who were bilingual who decided that you know this we need to offer this service and basically built it from you know from very small to now you know a substantial program a substantial part of the organization I think that is so important it is it's really vital and you have also a caregiver circle. Yes, we have a caregiver yeah. support circle, right, which basically is a, another sort of support community and group for people who whose loved ones are facing these diseases. So they could they're, you know, they could be husbands, they could be partners, they could be, you know, family members, they could, you know, and I I know that the groups that we have are really mixed diverse groups of, you know, men and women who are in, you know, finding themselves in that position of having to provide care. Do you have nutritional support, considering there's a lot of food talk? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, we certainly have programs, educational programs and webinars that address various aspects of nutrition, no doubt, yeah. And I think um, I should have looked at our program guide before I came here, but we... Well, often, you know, we've, what we've been offering are these, like, walking tours in different parts of the city. A walking people, tour. Where people can learn about neighborhoods where they, you know, that where they can, where there are different restaurants or um, just sort of stores where they can, you know, buy nutritional foods. And, you know, mm. um, yeah, so. I understand. Okay. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about a second helping, helping of life shares event on September 19th. And again, let's tell them where it is and what it's, it's at about. Chelsea Piers, Pier 60 Chelsea Piers, from 6 to 9.30 p.m., a tasting event featuring two dozen of New York City's top women chefs serving their signature dishes to support SHARE, which provides dedicated experience support and information to women facing breast and ovarian cancers. And Chef Angie Marr, what does it mean for you to be a part of this? 
You know, it is, uh, it's such an honor and, and it's, it's, it's important and, and humbling. Um, you know, this is, I think, like I said, it's, it's one of my favorite charities. I think it's probably the most meaningful and important one that, that is close to my heart that I participate in all year. It sounds pretty magical to me. I can't wait to experience it from here on out. And uh, speaking of magic, let's talk about your necklace for a second. What does it say? (laughs) It says in pursuit of magic. (laughs) I think I found some magic now. I I find events like this and, and people who bring this all together so important. I think that when I, when I got into the world of, well, suddenly I was in Sloan Kettering and I thought like, how the hell did I get here? It was very isolating, even though I wasn't physically alone. I definitely felt like, my God, uh, I'm the one that has to navigate through this. And I didn't reach out to support groups until much later in, in my treatments. And I think it's because I didn't have awareness that there were support groups until I got into the world of it. And I think what's important about talking about it now is that not that I'm saying that it's good to know about this before you get a diagnosis, but it's kind of good to know about this. God forbid there's a diagnosis. And then to share this info and and, um, know that um, if you feel hopeless or scared, there's such a community. There's such a community and allies as yourself, Beth who really just want the best for people like me. And I have a lot of breast cancer in my family. My father had a lumpectomy, my aunts. So it is very personal to me. And I think about my nieces and the next generation and so on. So things like this help me just share the love and the pre-healing. I like to call it pre-healing. So please come and check out uh, A Second Helping of Life. Buy a ticket support or donate to share. Uh, This has been the first episode of the third season of Primary Food with Chef Angie Marr of the Beatrice and Beth Kling of Share. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.